Hello, and welcome to the Skip Meetings podcast. I am Andrea Doyle, Senior Editor, and I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by Joe Schwinger, the Chief Innovation Officer of Meeting Play and Eventry, a global leader in event management solutions for on-site, hybrid, and virtual events. Travel Portland presents a meditation for meeting planners. Close your eyes and picture your conference in Portland, Oregon. Your budget is totally under control. With no sales tax, you've saved thousands, which you spend on a group dinner at one of Portland's incredible restaurants. The food, delicious. Your attendees, delighted. And the glory, all yours. Portland, yours to find, yours to share. Welcome, Joe. Thank you for joining us today. I would love to have you do a short introduction of who you are and when you first came into contact with the events industry, when you became aware of the industry and how you evolved into your current role. Oh boy, I'm going to date myself on this one. Uh, So thank you for asking. My first uh, interactions with the uh, event industry actually uh, was the start of my career at Marriott. So that was probably 22 years ago. I was one of the first e-commerce folks at Marriott International. My first job there was to, and again, this is totally dating myself, put pictures of the hotels on Marriott.com. At the time, it was text only, and they didn't even have images of the hotels. And that was one of my first jobs. Um, But that also started uh, kind of a a fast forward energized uh, initiative at Marriott to take advantage of e-commerce. And they were looking at all aspects of their business, including the meeting and event industry. And I joined a task force called the Future of Meetings at Marriott, which is where we looked at uh, the competitors, but more importantly, we looked at where the future was going to be. And this was when Facebook was going from a college only platform to a global public uh, platform. So a lot of the work that I did as part of the future of meetings was to look at how you can digitize and add attending interactions uh, through mobile technology, which was actually how uh, I uh, exited uh, Marriott uh, while working with them to build a gamification attendee mobile app called Meeting Play. And uh, that started my journey, uh, roughly 10 years of growing Meeting Play to be a bespoken event technology, which then led to uh, March of 2020, uh, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with. That was the start of COVID. And uh, on-property and mobile apps were no longer a thing, uh, which then led to... um, which then led to our foyer into online virtual events. And the good news was we actually were doing virtual events for the pharmaceutical environment. So we were one of the first uh, in markets to the virtual environment. And then as they say, uh, the rest was history. We grew 500, 600% uh, year over year for two years and then had a lot of opportunity to look at uh, how do we sustain uh, this growth and how do we get in front of where the market's going? 
And that was the great merger that we had in January of 2022 with Eventry, where we became very much a end-to-end solution for our customers, you know, between, you know, starting with call for papers and meeting management all the way to post-event analytic and reporting. And it's been a wild and crazy uh, eight months. We've already released six new products together, and we're really uh, going after our, our growth thesis of being that end-to-end solution. And as such, we actually just finished an acquisition of a tier one registration company a couple months ago to further round out our tool set for our customers. So, hey, that's my background. That's how I got started with event technology uh, all the way to where I am today. I have the privilege of being the chief innovation officer, a product officer over all three of these great companies. And really my what I do on a day-to-day basis is I meet with clients. I understand their problems and really guide the product to solve those uh, those problems with solutions through our technology. Okay, that's fascinating. And you just recently acquired Encore. Encore. Yes, okay. it was uh, roughly about two months ago. Okay, that happened in June. Yes. You know what? Um, so that brings me to my next question. How has a, dis- a dispersed workforce impacted your transition? And has tech helped now that you know you have these three companies and you're introducing all these new products? Yeah, and it's an it's an interesting question because I was the guy that needed to have everybody in the office to be creative. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I um, our our headquarters uh, previously before all of the mergers was uh, in Maryland, and we had an office of roughly I don't know thirty five uh, folks. And we were, uh, that year we were scheduled to grow, you know, 100% year over year revenue. So we were looking to grow our staff. And we basically were faced with moving from 7,000 square feet to 20,000 square feet. And we were so close to signing the lease on this unbelievable uh, Mm -hmm. new location. And uh, COVID, you know, stuck its head in that, thankfully, because through the pandemic, I really was able to adjust my expectations and my uh, work styles around digital activation, harnessing the tools that have become available to us, Slack, Teams, Zooms, all of these online applications for creative workflows. And it has allowed us to scale to, you know, we're almost 400 people now globally. And Honestly, I don't think we skip a beat not being in the same office together. We're a very collaborative bunch. Uh, Every meeting uh, we get on, we are cameras on and everybody's attentive and you can still see their body language. And the most important thing, our our productivity is through the roof. Mm -hmm. We are, as I mentioned, we've produced six new products as under the umbrella of these three companies together in as little as eight months. And really it's been six months. That is unheard of uh, innovation at light speed. And I, I, I really believe that we went to where the talent was, we hired where that talent was, as opposed to only looking within the geographical areas of our offices. Okay. So, so the fact that you are 400 people globally, does that make your events more important when you do get your team together? And do you do that often? Can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah. And the answer to that question is yes, yes, and yes. Um, (laughs) You know, so 
much like we tell people, you know, when we get asked, what does the future of meetings look like? I, I don't think it's any different than what we think the future of working looks like, right? Like you're going to have opportunities where you get together and those are really valuable interactions with your teammates or attendees. And then you're going to have opportunities, you know, 340 days a year where you're working digitally around an initiative. So we we do get together quite a bit as a leadership team. Some of our divisions or uh, you know departments get together as teams, and those are very concentrated things that you need to be in the room together to do. Right. So mm -hmm. as three companies that are coming together, the leadership's been meeting on what does the future look like of these three companies? What does our branding look like? What is our product strategy? Those are some things that get done in, in, in a meeting room together. Uh, and sales is constantly working together and innovation. But I will tell you, the majority of our, the majority of the work is being done in a virtual environment in a very, very successful manner. Okay. How do you feel technology and in-person meetings will merge for years to come? So here's where we're at. Um, you know, some people would say that there was a little bit of an overcorrection in terms of in-person uh, meetings. I don't like to use the word overcorrection because it was, you know, we are humans, right? Like we need face-to-face -face interaction and being, um, you know, put in a room or a, a building for two years, we're all striving for that face-to-face. -face. And, you know, I tell people the, the meeting in Anaheim, it may not be that they want to go to that meeting just to be face-to-face -face with their colleagues. There's other reasons why they're looking to get on a plane and, and, and go to Anaheim. They haven't been at, they haven't been on a vacation in two and a half years. They haven't been in a hotel for two and a half years, right? Like everybody wants to go back and experience the things that they have been missing. So I don't think that the I, I don't think that there's been an overcorrection. I think that there's been an appropriate flow of people getting back on the road and getting back to their lives, and meetings play a big role. And we have been predicting that we're going to find a medium of on-property and virtual, and that's exactly where things are going. So in the first, you know, in the last four months, we've seen in-person growth uh, through the roof. In fact, I would say it's almost like, you know, April, May, June, July of 2020 with virtual environments. And, you know, luckily now uh, MPABEC, the, the three companies together, we service that on-property initiative just like we did virtual, right? Very successfully. So we were prepared for that and we are uh, hitting home runs for our customers. But we did know that after people kind of pull back the onion a little bit, that they're gonna get back to a more normal state of uh, what we think is going to be the, the future state. So today, um, you know, I, I just came off of SEMA a couple of weeks ago and I had 70 meeting planners in a room and we used uh, emojis to ask them what they think and what they're, how they're planning. And I was a little nervous talking about virtual because, you know, quite frankly, there's some stigma around virtual that's not so positive. And believe it or not, 90% uh, of the people in the room are planning successful hybrid and virtual events. 
Now, this is in a corporate environment. And I was kind of shocked by that, that we're still seeing that kind of demand in the corporate environment. Uh, from And this question was more uh, forward thinking about their planning for the next six to 12 months. So we really digged in on that. And what we're finding is, is our prediction of finding a happy medium is absolutely uh, you know, coming to fruition. You're going to have small meetings like you just asked me, do I get together with my team? Absolutely. But a company-wide company kickoff or a sales kickoff may be done virtually, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe done hybrid where we don't have 5,000 employees globally that are trekking to one location. Um, I think hybrid is a very good uh, sweet spot for that. And that was one of the things that we heard loud and clear from our corporate planners is we're going to get to this funnel of top where hybrid is appropriate and in the bottom of the funnel where face-to-face interactions are more important. Okay. What do you feel it takes for an event to go from good to great? Good to great. Well, I think that I'm going to give you a pretty boring answer, but I actually think it's the right answer. And that is content in the virtual environment and in the on-property environment are still king. Mm -hmm. And what we are finding to entice people to get on property or to log in to a virtual environment or a hybrid environment the content still plays a key role. And let me give you some examples of that, right? So in the virtual environments, um, it was very common for tech company X to have a keynote conversation with a famous person, whether they be a comedian, an actor. And honestly, I, I looked at that and I was like, well, that's great, I wanna hear this person talk, but how do they relate to the industry? Or how do they relate to the products that are being sold? And that was, a little, in my opinion, there was a little bit of a mismatch on great content. Whereas now, I think our planners have seen that when you can relate the speakers, going back to where we were in 2019, to really be hyper-focused on the uh, touch points of the users, that we, we find a whole lot more uh, success. Now, the other side to that, that we were very successful with during the pandemic, and we're transitioning all of this to our mobile technology and our our property is uh, networking and attendee engagement still has the the opportunity to to make you move from good to great. And that was, I think, uh, key in our product offering in the virtual environment that we were not a sea of same when it came to how you produce a virtual environment. We were a sea of different, And we wanted to be bespoken to the goals of what our uh, meeting planners were trying to accomplish. And when you can execute something like an Ask Me Anything in a flawless environment, that the attendee satisfaction moves from good to great. And that's just an example of attendee engagement and doing it the right way. So honestly, you know, I, I, I tell people, listen, You have a PhD in event technology over the last two years. You've moved from Blockbuster to Netflix and don't go back. But there are some learnings from the pre-pandemic environment on how you make great meetings that we don't want to lose. And content strategy 
is uh, absolutely the top of that list. And then attendee engagement and a sophisticated way of bringing attendee engagement to the table will pay off in spades. Okay. That's interesting. I love that quote um, about being in a sea of sameness. Yeah. How you have to be in a sea of different. Well, that talks a little bit to the philosophy and the, the growth theory around uh, these three companies coming together is what we have found with our meeting planners is they will plan one event that is so special. You know, one of the things that I heard when I was at Marriott in charge of e-commerce for North America, every time I would meet with a hotel, the first things out of their mouth were, my hotel is different. Okay. Everybody thinks that their hotel is different. Well, in the meeting world, they have that one event that's different, right? It goes against the grain. It's special. It requires a different way of thinking. And that was that was the, the bread and butter of what we brought to the table is a very bespoken uh, solution to where we would understand how they're different and hit a home run around the efficiency and around uh, attendee engagement. But the problem is once you hit a home run for that special or that tier one event, well, they want, they trust you and they want you to do everything, right? right. But then everything else is the same, right? So you have to be different and you have to bring something to the table. But the reason why we brought these companies together was we want to be able to take care of your most complicated, delicate, uh, biggest event. But we also want to be there when you have 10 people in a boardroom, right? And you got to service that with event technology. And that's what we're now able to offer our customers that is very difficult for a lot of the other event technology companies to say. We can handle the most complicated and the most simplistic under one roof now. Okay, that's great. So um, that leads into my next question. What do you feel the most impactful technology for on-site events is? And can you maybe differentiate it to, like you said, for a smaller group and then all the way up to a convention of thousands? Yeah, so um, right now, we are we have been in the process of taking all of our learnings around virtual attendee engagement and digital activation and we're pouring all of that innovation into our mobile technology there are so many things that have to go right when it comes to on property events but in our lens right now where we look at the most opportunity and where the industry is going it's kind of back to a renaissance of the mobile technology of 19, you know, 2019. And we really feel that there is a, um, there, there's a big opportunity for us when you leverage uh, the sophistication of what we've been able to do in the past around mobile technology and how our artificial intelligence and machine learning has matured over the last two years and bridging that into the, uh, into the mobile uh, technology. And then let me give you an example of why this is so important to your question. How does it play a role in the small meeting and how does it play a role in the large meeting? Mm -hmm. So let's take a typical small meeting and uh, let's, let's go around um, incentive travel. So we work with a big uh, event uh, a technology company and they're having their president's club at the end of the year. Mm 
And I would consider that a small meeting. But let me tell you the role in which mobile technology is now playing. Things as easy as, say, departure notices, right, that are very difficult for the meeting planner and require a lot of work. And in some cases, were very costly, right? So the old way of doing it is they would room drop a slip and here's your departure notice. Now, through the mobile technology, it's automatically connected to all of these systems. And on the last day, you get a push notification that your departure notice is now available on the mobile. And by the way, that includes the ticket to get on the bus so that from a liability perspective, our meeting planner knows that Jason got on the bus and he's on his way to the airport. That's a very simplistic uh, approach. However, believe it or not, the cost savings, the liability, all of these things together, it's a value add to the attendee, right? Because they got it so much sooner. It's a value add to the uh, meeting planner and everybody wins. Those are the kinds of things that we're actually hyper-focused on with taking all the great things that we've done and putting them into the mobile technology. And then the other, then, then let's flip it to 10,000 people, right? And this is where um, efficiency with the on-property uh, is key. So now being an end-to-end -end solution for pretty much everything that event technology needs to uh, take, we have customers that are actually leveraging our digital badge and not even giving paper badges to everybody anymore. And in the tech environment, eco-friendly is very, uh, is big right now, right? And that was kind of the big thing with uh, virtual and efficiency is really big. Well, when you remove the registration area or even you, you know, contract the registration area to 50% of what it was for 10,000 people, there could be hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings there. And also, again, going back to the eco-friendliness of not having, you know, 5,000 badges that are making its way into waste. So leveraging the mobile technology and the Apple wallet and all of the great things that mobile brings to us as a digital passport into that event, again, it's a win-win uh, for everyone. Our session scanning devices leverage that. Our lead retrieval devices leverage that. There's actually no gap in functionality, you're just removing a paper and bringing it to the digital. Now, again, this is very forward thinking, right? So not a lot of our customers are doing this, but it's a great example of how our customers are thinking outside of the box to leverage digital in a way that they did not prior to the pandemic. Okay. Well, that's so interesting. Um, what innovation do you feel is on the horizon that will disrupt the industry. We just talked a whole lot about mobile apps. Is there anything else you have your eye on? So, of course, you know, we we're looking at a 18-month roadmap and we're trying to be in front of 18 months to be where the industry is. I will tell you where I don't think the industry is going to be in 18 months cuz it's a hot topic and there is a lot of work to be done for this to become scalable in our industry. You know, coming out of the pandemic, there was a lot of conversations about metaverse and virtual reality and augmented reality. And I believe that 
the future very well may be in this meta environment. But we are, the, the market is changing so quickly right now that I don't believe that this is going to stick. Okay. And I think to draw a parallel to you, prior to the pandemic, iBeacon technology and proximity sensing was super, super hot and super big, but it was not widely adopted for about two or three years until it became, until all of the phones had the capabilities of picking up proximity sensing through iBeacon technology. And that's kind of where we are, is as an industry, there are a lot of headwinds, virtual, hybrid, on property. The, 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 the overall uh, world is going to move into this virtual reality and meta. but And when that becomes mainstream, then you will see the meeting industry really pick up steam. Because especially going into the, you know, I won't say recession because we are or we are not, doesn't make a difference. But we are absolutely in an environment where cost-cutting measures are top of mind. A corporate environment is not going to invest in a metaverse where 10% of the attendees can participate. There has to be mass appeal. So I don't think that we are in a world where 12 to 18 months, you're going to see meta and virtual environments take off. Where we will see more innovation is around augmented reality using mobile technology. So if I talk to 10 agencies a week, and I typically talk to 10 to 15 agencies that we work with, metaverse and virtual reality at the moment is really not top of mind or part of that conversation. Leveraging, however, augmented reality and the mobile device that's already in their hand is I would tell you probably 60% of the conversations that we're having on how to add engagement and slip factor to events. So I think that that's a hot area is virtual and augmented reality. I think we're going to put a pause as an industry right now until there's better adoption around virtual uh, or, uh, yeah, around metaverse mm -hmm. and virtual reality. But you will find a lot more case studies in the next six to 12 months around how augmented reality plays a critical role in the on-property experience, as well as the hybrid experience. I mean, we were doing a mashup of uh, virtual events using augmented reality and on property. It's a great tool to add uh, engagement. Okay, great. It brings me to my next question. What do you feel the biggest challenges currently facing the event industry are? Pricing pressure, cost, budgets. You know, I, um, as I mentioned, I, I speak to probably 10 to 15 agencies and I probably speak to 10 to 15 customers uh, on a weekly basis. And of the 30 conversations that I'm having, 80% of those departments have still struggled to hire expertise, have open uh, recs, or more recently have contracted their departments due to um, you know, layoffs, uh, events are one events and marketing are sometimes one of the first to get hit by such. And you don't need to be, you know, there's no secret. If you're on LinkedIn, you'll see that a lot of these departments have been hit. So the biggest struggle that I see right now 
is we have massive events that are being planned with a reduction in staff to actually plan them, which is a, which first of all is horrible, right? Like I, I feel like in some respects, we're back to the cycle where we were uh, when the pandemic first hit, where we have a lot of really talented people out there looking for work. It does, it does change though, how people are shopping for event technology. There's this uh, terminology that I've been using that um, I picked up from an actual client last month was, you know, in some respects, I need one throat to choke. And <laughs> that, that is a, that's a quote right there, right? I need one throat to choke. <laughs> exactly. And what it boils down to is I, I, I need one provider that's going to add efficiency because I simply just don't have the resources to work with five different providers. And when something goes wrong, I want to call one person to solve it, not five people. And that is, again, that goes back to the, the fourth, like that, that, that goes into the thought of what we had in 2021, that we really needed to consolidate best in breed into one company to be that one single point of contact across the full spectrum of event technology. And again, I think that that was, you know, we're seeing that investment pay off right now with uh, being one provider and also being an end-to-end -end provider. You know, we can handle the virtual environment just as well we're handling on property. We can bring you sophistication around badge printing and session tracking and lead retrieval and bring that into the virtual environment or not, right? Um, there's 30 something tools that are available now to our customers and we pretty much can say yes across the board. You had said that um, staffs are down. Do you feel that's going to, is that an issue because there's not people qualified to fill these positions because of the great resignation or there's just not the budget to hire the people they need? It's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I'm, I probably have 10 very close confidants that are meeting planners that have moved to contract meeting planners and have decided not to go in-house or with an agency because of the flexibility that uh, this allows them. And by the way, they make more money by doing it uh, that way. And then the other side of that is there's absolutely pressure on startups, funded companies, corporations to trim down going into uh, the next couple of months with the financial uh, situation until it shakes out a little bit. So I would say it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, more, more, I, you know, again, at SEMA, uh, which is corporate meeting planners, I spoke, I had some great conversations with people that were at some of the largest companies in the world that are just living their best life being a contractor uh -huh. and working with multiple corporations and more power to them. I mean, that is, um, life is short, right? And if you can lever, if you can work and you can work anywhere, 
and you can still provide for your family or yourself in the same means. I mean, who wouldn't want that? And I guess there was a greater emphasis on that during the pandemic when we had a whole lot of time to look at work-life balance. Yeah, and I think that, you know, once we started to see the market change and there were there were definitely a subset of those folks that saw some instability coming. But quite frankly, when that pendulum shifted back to on property, they became even more valuable. So it's, it, you know, any contractor, it's a roller coaster of up and downs. Um, but I, I think they're still riding really high. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, you know, running a PL, I'll tell you, right? There's a difference between a full-time employee and a contractor. They mean different things to a company. Contractors are still very valuable in this market in the event industry. Okay. If you could change one thing in the events industry, what would it be and how would you change it? Wow. Um, I get to change one thing, huh? <laughs> so I'll tell you, one of the things that did change when the pandemic hit is that event technology, it was prior to the pandemic, event technology was, we're going to get to that later or an afterthought, right? As a mobile provider and an on-site uh, provider, you know, the meeting, the, 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 the planning of that event may have been six months, but we came in three months before the event. And part of the beauty of what the pandemic uh, did was we were at the starting line of the planning process with our customers from day one. And we were all marching to the same beat. And then when we went back on property, and health was priority number one. And again, I'm not saying that it's not, but it's definitely not as important as it was in January and February. We were still at the starting line with our customers to allow for event technology to aid in the healthy procedures as we went back on property. I'm seeing it all over the place where we've gone back to our old ways of event technology coming in a little bit later. And I would say that the ones that are still planning on property, hybrid or virtual, that have your event technology provider at the beginning of the planning process, absolutely result in more successful events and result in lower event technology cost. Hmm. Because one of the things that we are seeing in the industry is these venues are overbooked. The... Um, expectations on attendee counts are being over uh, overbooked as well. And when you have a game plan from, from day one and your event technology provider is a part of all of these conversations, your ability to switch to backup plans and pivot is lower cost and easier rather than coming in in the middle oh, and by the way, we need to pivot three weeks beforehand and not being prepared for that. Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing, there's a lot that I would love to change, but I would say that there is a, uh, th there was momentum on parallel planning with technology and the planner that was very beneficial that we should really keep that in our uh, back pocket. And then the other thing that I would love to change is the perception 
that's out there that a hybrid event is going to be double the cost and double the work, which is a offshoot of my first comment. When everybody is at the starting line together and we're planning for a hybrid experience, it doesn't have to be double the work and it doesn't have to be double the cost. In fact, if you look at the uh, budgets in 2021, compared to where we are in 2022, we're actually seeing lower cost by doing it together if you do it the right way. And it's all strategic prioritization around what we're trying to accomplish and how the technology plays a role in accomplishing that. Okay, interesting. Um, what is your vision for the future of events? The vision for the future of events. You know, I'm going to answer that again with the last eight months that have been really going back to my comment of a roller coaster ride of ups and downs where mm -hmm. event technology has to play a role in the overall strategy. My vision for the future is that simply an event technology company cannot predict, and more importantly, an event technology cannot influence where the future of events is going. Okay. We have to complement the industry. If there's one thing that has become very uh, apparent to all of the new virtual event companies that have popped up and that are struggling right now, you cannot influence an industry. You go along and you complement and you enhance where the industry is going. And that's why it was really important for these three companies to come together to diversify for our customers and not to put all of our eggs in one basket, thinking that our customers are gonna go there. Because again, if you look at what's happened over the eight months, in January, uh, when the pandemic uh, rised again in December, everything was virtual again. And that, that was a pivot. And then February and March, we went back to hybrid. And then March, May, June, we saw that pendulum swing to 100% um, on property in some regards. And now we're moving back to hybrid. My vision for the future of uh, these three companies is exactly what we're executing, is to be in front of these trends, but continue to listen to our customers on where they're going and do not try and force our customers to go where we want them to go. Because unfortunately, we'll end up like some of the other providers over the last couple of months where they're, you know, massive layoffs. And some of them, quite frankly, I don't think that will survive. And there's a lot more consolidation that's going to happen in event technology over the next couple of months because of that. We just simply cannot move the industry in a direction that we want to go, that they're uncertain about going. And that, again, you know, comes back to your question around what is the future of event technology? Well, I can tell you right now, it's not metaverse and virtual reality because that's not where our customers are pulling us. Mm -hmm. So it seems a theme of our conversation has been the importance of diversification. Absolutely. 
Um, you know, I will say that had these three companies not come together to complement tier one, tier two, and tier three, to complement on-property, hybrid, and virtual, the way that we are for our customers, um, I don't know if, you know, th th there would have been some serious headwinds. Mm -hmm. So it was a, uh, you know, it was a wise bet to bring these companies together to diversify our offerings, because quite frankly, uh, that's what's that, that that's what's keeping us moving uh, and growing, more importantly, growing the way that we are. What does the future hold for you and for these three companies? So me specifically, um, you know, I I've never enjoyed waking up uh, every day uh, than I do today. Right. Like, you know, when when uh, prior to these three companies coming together, uh, I was the founder uh, and CEO of Meeting Play. And uh, with that comes HR, finance, product, sales, you know, five million hats. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, where my passion was, is in innovation and product. So for me personally, I just have so many more toys that I get to play with on a daily basis <laughs> to push innovation and product for our customers. And um, so for me, that, that's the exciting uh, part is you now have really unlimited colors in your palette to paint on the canvas. Uh, and we're doing some really sophisticated things for our customers. And for the company, um, for the company, we are making massive investments in our technology. And we are uh, divvying up those investments across um, you know, additional features on top of our core platforms, scaling better for our customers, um, you know, identifying areas where we need to be stronger. Uh, and some of that, by the way, came out of the pandemic, right? Like the, the reporting on a virtual environment is simply just in our industry, it's not there on the on-property experience, right? And that's an area where we need to invest. And then uh, the other part of the massive investment in our product is, as I mentioned, we've created from scratch six new products in the first eight months of being a company together. That light speed innovation is not stopping. Our roadmap over the next 12 to 18 months is so exciting for what we're gonna be able to bring to our customers. So we're, we're in a little bit of a unique situation where I think that you saw hyper investment and hyper innovation and in event technology, which has stalled as the, the, the industry is moving. And we've seen a lot of layoffs where we are in a very unique situation where we're gonna to continue to pump out great features and new products for our customers uh, in the foreseeable future. Okay. You talked about having many colors in your palette. Are you an artist by any chance? <laughs> so uh, that's a great question. I would say that, um, so I, I know the things that I'm good at. And, <laughs> and I would actually say that I have some of the best artists that I'm partnered with. And I'm the one that's whispering in their ear on what color to use and where to put it on the canvas. But no, I'm not uh, an artist. I'm okay. so blessed 
that when we brought these three companies together, the talent that we have, the leadership team that we have is just simply amazing. And, you know, in being in this event industry now for 22 years, I've never been a part of a team on the leadership side and even, you know, multiple layers down that is driving innovation uh, and product for our customers. Uh, so no, not an artist, but I can whisper to an artist like nobody's business. You're an artist whisperer. Exactly. <laughs> um, could, has there been an aha moment for you in your career? Well, yes. Um, there's been many, but I'll start with what was the most impactful and telling about our companies. And that was March 13th of 2020. So to paint a picture for you, in February of 2020, we were projecting 100% revenue growth year over year. We had an unbelievable pipeline of business that was coming in. We had contracts signed for the next year. And on March 13th, which was a couple days after the U.S. kind of was breaking news in Seattle and New York. That was, I, I believe it was a Thursday or Friday, or maybe it was a Wednesday. It was towards the end of the week. And literally within a 48-hour period, 100% of our business canceled. Ooh. It was gut-wrenching. And um, true to uh, the company and the way that we ran the company, we had we, we allowed ourselves the weekend to feel bad for ourselves. And there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of uncertainty. You know, when you go from 100% growth to negative growth and you have a monthly, you know, commitment on employee salaries and rent, it's very scary. But when we came to work on Monday, the aha moment for me was nobody thought about it. All we thought about was how do we stay true to the way that we were successful as a company and bring that difference to our customers in a different way. So going back to my sea of same comment, you know, right after the pandemic, everybody was offering the same thing, right? It was just, who did you want to go with? Who was in the market? Who could scale with you? And we took a different approach by being different and solving the needs of our customers in a different manner in a virtual environment. And that was why, you know, so we came back on Monday, we had a product on, on Friday, and we sold our first virtual environment 10 days after all of our business uh, was wiped out. We became, we went back to 100% uh, growth roughly two months after the pandemic hit. And then it just didn't stop after that. Wow. My aha moment was that if you stay true to your roots, and we did, we didn't rush to put something out there that was going to be at the sea of the same. If you stay on strategy, um, it, it's a, it was a winning combination for a reason. Uh, and that was what really got us through the pandemic to where we are today. That's amazing. Finally. Um, 
I'd like to wrap up with the question we ask all our guests. Who should we have on our next podcast? And what questions do you recommend we ask that person? You know, I think my advice to you. So by the way, can I give you one more aha moment that's going to answer your question? Sure. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I performed a uh, breakout at SEMA where we used emojis as our polling responses to my questions. And the aha moment there, as I mentioned, was that I was anticipating that corporate meeting planners would be investing heavily only in property and not in hybrid. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the reverse. Corporate meeting planners are still budgeting and planning a very healthy amount of hybrid and virtual events. So my recommendation for you is to bring on a subject matter expert or maybe a collection of meeting planners in the event industry that move the needle on top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel events and really hear directly from the planners what they're doing for the next 12 to 18 months. Okay. Because it's not what I what we what we walked away with was it's not what you're reading on LinkedIn. It's not what you're reading in the trades. There's actually strategy being built around a multi-channel strategy to your mm -hmm. event business. And there's some great learnings to be had for everybody. Okay. I'll do that for sure. Were there any questions that I didn't ask you that you feel are important to answer? I mean, you've been so thorough. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else uh, to 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 say. Uh, so I'll say no. You've been very thorough. I've really enjoyed our conversation for the last hour. Uh, I hope that some people walk away with understanding from the event technology side, um, kind of how we're thinking and how we fit into their strategy and where we can be of benefit to them. Great. Well, this has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time and I learned a whole lot and I look forward to seeing what you have in store in the future. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Everybody have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Right,